Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so we're in Obadiah today, Obadiah. This is about the smallest book, but it is the smallest in the Old Testament, but it is one of the smallest, but Jude might be smaller, I don't know. But just so you understand this, we're in the minor prophets right now, So, and they're called the 12. But these minor prophets, um, was, were actually in the Hebrew, they're actually just one book. So when you read this, you'll, you'll say, here's Amos, here's Obadiah, here's Jonah. But they're all actually in one book in the Hebrew. Now, we, for us, we separate them and call them different books of the Bible. No, not a problem whatsoever, and ours are somewhat out of order. They really are. But Obadiah... Is a very interesting uh, book. When you read it, you may read over and go like, what's the purpose? It just seems like one more prophet calling down judgment on another nation, right? But it's very interesting to me um, how that Obadiah has so much to say about things, especially on Father's Day weekend, that you may not even realize about. And that goes back to history. Now, if you ever see someone in their photo, their family photo, you see like this beautiful organized photo. It's very like, all the kids are smiling, people in like, it's just, it's like, wow, that's amazing, right? And so I got one, I'll show you a couple of photos I got of my kids here. This is my first one. This is trying to start a photo, okay? If you notice the one, the oldest one, she's got the little one by her neck, dragging her over. The other one's like four feet away. You're trying to get them into an angle of the shot. And it's not, not, come on, I'm like, what you, what you, what you see is the end result. This is what everybody puts on the internet. Go to the next one, guys. Let me show you this one here. Look, oh, they're like, oh, they're, that's just a, it's like this, what you didn't see is behind these, I'm going to kill you. If you don't get, str- I'm going to kill you right now. You, that's a family photo, man. Smile right now. Let me see your teeth. You know, you, you don't know the threats, the, all the, the things you just do to try to get them just to smile. I mean, we have friends in here, they've taken our photos and they'll do crazy stuff, especially when the kids were literally like, ah, they just weird stuff to get the kid to go. And then you get the picture. But you don't know what all went on behind the scenes, right? You just see that. You think, oh, it's such a cute picture. That took five or six different times. I want to, I paid thousands of dollars to get here. Y'all going to smile for me. You know, I want a picture. You know, it's just crazy what you do. Well, in the same way in Obadiah, this book goes much deeper than what you see. It almost looks like a photo. It's very just, you just can overlook What's behind the scenes? And there's three like main themes. There's some other things, but really three things that really just kind of come out in, in this book. And I'm giving them to you, and then I'll break them down a little bit, okay? And I'm going to give you some scripture this morning, but I'm not going to read all of it, okay? About, you're going to take your time and read your Bible and go and see it this week, because I'm telling you right now, if somebody tells me they cannot read Obadiah in a week, y'all going to, we're going to need to talk. You understand? Obadiah, God bless him, he didn't even get a full page of his own. They broke him up and put him in two sides. He's like, yo, you don't even get your own page in the Bible. You have to share with Jonah. You can do this. Three three different areas. First of all, there is this deception of pride that you're going to see with the Edomites. Then you're going to see this issue of sowing and reaping. And then you're going to see this issue of how you're supposed to love your neighbor. So what does it have to do with Father's Day? Everything. Because if you don't know who the Edomites are, you miss the whole story behind the photo. You miss all the things and the interactions that went on that was behind what you're seeing in this book right here. And so let's talk about the first couple of things. First one is the deception of pride. 
Now, being that that is a very vocal word this month about a lot of different things, I want you to think about the connotation. And I'm going to say some things that I, I, I understand when I say certain things, I do understand what it may or may not cost me, but I'm okay with that. I've, I've, I'm past the point of I love people and I will help people and I'll do anything. Jesus is for all people that will turn to him. But you cannot compromise the truth of the gospel. I don't do it for anyone who's caught in adultery. I will not do it for anyone that's outside of marriage, having relationships that do not, are not supposed to be there. I'm not getting into it. Still ain't got kids and kids. I'm just trying to take it slow for y'all. Trying to keep it PG. I do not compromise for anything else the Bible talks about when it comes to sexual sins. And I will not compromise for someone who says, well, I just love them. I'm sorry. That is a conflict of scripture. And Christians are, are accepting this because of this month and saying, well, it, you know, I do understand why. No, I'm sorry. Every time you compromise and give a little bit more, you open the door for this deception of the enemy. And think about the word pride. Yeah, I, know, I know what I'm saying. I get it. I understand. I understand. I'm okay. The thing that frustrates me about this so much is Hey and I were talking about just the other day, last night, matter of fact, even... That Juneteenth has come up, and I never learned anything about this. And this month has so overshadowed anything about that day. I, I just don't even understand how it came to this point where historically a group of people were so uh, marginalized, in a sense, in reality, not of their choice, and have been overlooked. And this month has just come in and just, in a sense, stolen even that. The word pride in itself is not a good word. You can say, well, I'm proud of my children. That's not what you really mean. You don't mean it this way. You mean I am happy. I'm, they, they made me happy. They made me proud in the sense of they did a great thing, a good job. They, they did something. I, man, I'm, that's my kid. We all know what that means. It's not the same word as pride. The scriptures are very clear about pride. When you have pride, something is going in a different direction. It is not with God. The deception of pride is what was present in Obadiah. Pride, it is deceptive. The word itself is deception. So let me read this to you out of Obadiah 1. The vision of Obadiah, says the Lord God, concerning Edom. We'll get into that in just a moment. We have heard a report from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us go to her against battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations, for you are greatly despised. He's talking to Edom. <clears throat> he says, The arrogance or the pride of your heart has deceived you. It is deceptive. It's deceptive. In the same way that people tell me as a Christian, oh, I just love them, I'm going to live with them, I just love them. You're deceived. Let me tell you, honey, listen, girl, talk to the ladies. If you're watching online, you're in this room, I'm a guy. If he don't want to put a ring on it, and you just letting him live there, he ain't never going to put a ring on it. Wake up. You're deceived. Oh, no, no, no. You don't know him. I'm a guy. You listen. I'm just a guy, but I know guys. Yeah, but I, you watch too much Hallmark. He ain't. That brother's not going to give any. You, listen, he's not gonna change. yeah but he said when he gets more money he when we got married listen we didn't have a squat 
We dug through the ashtray for change to buy ice cream on date night. We had nothing. Literally. My wife would dig through the ashtray when we had our first kid, trying to find enough just to pay for a hamburger or something like that. Nothing. <laughs> Partly because I spent a lot of money on a ring, but that's a whole different story. Right there, I'm going to tell you. Well, I loved her, man. I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to get me a ring. I, I knew the deal. But I'm just telling you, the deception of this whole thing is, is, it is deceiving. It will tell you one thing and make you believe it and cause you to compromise every core conviction because you are deceived. The arrogance of pride in your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? Which is the conversation today, this month. How dare you tell me? I know, I know, I get it, I understand. But enough's enough. I'm just like, listen, I'm willing to pay the price. I, I, I'm not being rude and I'm not being mean. But if everybody's going to voice their opinion, I'm going to voice God's. It's, it's just enough's enough. It's crazy. And he says this, though you build up high like the eagle... Though you set your nest among the stars, from there I'll bring you down, says the Lord. I'm telling you right now, the deceptionness of pride in anything, arrogance, the pride of life, is a sin. It will bring you down. Now, who's he talking about Edomites here? These Edomites come from Esau. Okay, you know who Jacob and Esau is. Let me show you, though, when he says these places you build up high, see if this looks familiar. I was talking to my wife about it, and I thought, well, I better show some pictures, because we were talking about it. She's like, I don't know that I've... I mean, we, when you grow up around here in Christian rock, there wasn't a whole lot of it. Like when I was coming to Christ, there was Petra and I think the newsboys and maybe like DC talk. And out of all of them, I thought, man, I gave up some really awesome music for this. I mean, I felt like I really made a mistake here. I really had to think about what I was doing. Finally, some things changed. And you guys today have, you don't realize how good you got it today. Just saying. This is a couple of pictures here. This is from Petra. The capital of Edom is Petra. You may have seen this photo before. This is a carving. I've seen that little red circle bottom left. That's a dude sitting on a rock. This is a huge carving. They carved these temples and these monuments, if you will. The Edomites, this is the tribe, of, this is Esau's descendants, okay? Next photo here. We'll just go through them if you can see this. Another photo, I think of the same one. Look how big that is. They carved it into these rocks. Go to the next one. You can find these, by the way, they don't give all the credit to this. This is from Encyclopedia Britannica. If you want to go there, you can find any of these images. They will lead you through and explain a little more clearly about this. But you have to go through about a mile of this terrain to get to this place. It's a carving within these it's almost like the Grand Canyon in a sense, but it's not that big. You go about a mile just to get to these things. Let me go to the next one. Let me show you this. These are actual tombs. Look how high. You can't tell, but at the top of the, the screen there, there are holes in the rocks. And this is not like our mountain. Our mountains are mostly granite. You're not going to dig anything through that. This stuff over there is a little different. It's almost like sandstone. It's very... Uh, it's like slate, if you've ever seen it. It, it crumbles real easy. You can hit a, a hammer and chisel out, just knock it out. That's kind of what this stuff is, okay? Those are tombs all up in there that's been created. Go to the next one there. Here's some more tombs, different things. Look how high that is. There we go. At the very top, there's one up there at the top. Go to the next one there. Just so you can see, and this is a temple where they worshipped and made sacrifices. Not to God. These people were very evil. 
in their approach. And Obadiah, who he's prophesying to, is the Edomites. Now, why would he do that? What is about Edom that's such a big deal? Well, let me show you on the map. Uh, next image, I think, is the map I got here for you. This is Petra, the star. You see where it is? It's in Jordan. Israel is to the left of them. The dividing line is the, the, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, if you will, okay? So go to the next one there. Just give me a brief overview. You can go and look at this stuff later. I just, I needed you to see this. Look at the bottom yellow. Kingdom of Edom. And there's Petra at the bottom. If you look up the purple, there's the kingdom of Moab. You've heard the Moabites, the Ammonites, that's Jordan. If you look at the bottom, there's the Edomites. And then if you look right up above, in between the red and the purple, you see the kingdom of Judah. Judah is the descendants of Jacob. Esau is the kingdom of Edom. And what transpired here was in Genesis, you have to understand the Edomites to know a little bit of what is he talking about. Why is he picking on these guys, the Edomites? It is because they are family. Who is the family? Jacob and Esau. Briefly, I'll just give you the scriptures. You can go read them later. Genesis 25 and verse 23. Two nations are in your womb. You remember that? They were fighting. The two were fighting. They were twins. <laughs> One crap to the, you know, whoever. If you've ever seen this, it's like, this has to be like a movie. One baby grabs other one by the heel and like, it's like he's trying to jerk him back in. Like, you know, it's crazy stuff, right? But there are two nations in her womb. The Lord told Rebecca, and one people will be strong than the other. The, the older will serve the younger. God said this. And so when you see this, this is the fulfillment of much of this. In Genesis 27 and verse 1, it says this, that, watch this, when Isaac got older, his eyes were too dim to see, he called his older son Esau and said, I want to bless you. Go get your arrows, get your thing, go get me some good, you know, deer meat or whatever you're going for, bring it here, we're going to cook it up, because Isaac, watch this, let me give it to you, but it says that Isaac lo- loved Esau. If you remember this, that who loved Jacob? Rebekah loved Jacob. They got some issues. They're going much deeper than what you realize. But well, the thing is, when you see Esau, you think, well, Esau is this, I feel sorry for him. These Edomites, what did they do that was so bad? Well, Rebecca, you know, she put together the plan to get him out, get, him, get Esau this blessing. Well, what was so bad about Esau, though? What, why? Esau was just not the smartest guy in the family. Not the brightest bulb in the pack, if you will. Just tell you a couple of things, and you write these down and go look at them this week. I'm not going to read all this to you, but Genesis 25 and verse 27. You have this idea about Jacob and Esau that, well, they're young boys living at home, and they're just trying to work out their issues. These are grown, stinking men. Esau is a skillful hunter, and Isaac loved Esau, and Rebekah loved Jacob. That's what the Bible says about him. Genesis 25, verse about 29. And it says this, when Jacob had cooked some stew, Esau came in from the field and was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have that red stuff. What is I'm famished? You know, it's like we would say, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. But yet you just had breakfast. You're going to make it through church. Get over it. You're going to be all right. You're going to pass out. If you're that bad, we got some Cokes or crack. We'll help you out. We'll get you something. But you ain't going to famish. You're going to die in here. He's like, oh, I'm so hungry. And look at Jacob. This joker is, you don't do business with this. This brother will, he will mess you up. And he goes on to say, look, you're going to die? Yeah, Esau says, I'm going to die. Give me your birthright. Esau gives him the birthright. He is a grown, stinking man. He is not some five, six, seven-year-old kid. He knows what he's doing. If you don't think that's the case, 
In Genesis 26, what did Esau do? Listen to this in verse 35. When he was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. He wouldn't even stick with the people that he should. He went and married other people that worshiped false gods, and he brought more grief on the family. This joker is weird. I'm just telling you, he don't have a lot of sense. And what do you not do? Rebecca was smart enough, and God was certainly smart enough to see. You never leave the inheritance to a fool. That's some right there that knows. She'd been there, done that, or she knows somebody has. Listen, you do not leave. I don't care how much you got. You ne- Why? Because they will spend it foolishly. And if you have to, you set up things to help, but you never leave ever. If they can't manage what they have right now, why would you give them more? And many people get mad at God because they say, well, why won't God bless me? Well, let's just look at what we're doing with what we do have and ask, why would he give us more if we can't handle what we do have with the way he wants us to handle it? That's another message. Won't go any further there. You can read between the lines. But Esau's choices... And Jacob's choices, it put a great divide. And it seems like in the Bible later on they came together. When Jacob came home, it looks like they hugged it out and everything was fine. But it wasn't. Because when you read the English Bible, you read things. Oh, they hugged it out. It's cool. When you read the storyline, you see Jacob and what he's saying. He's not into this whole getting back together. No, he's just, no, we're, we're not. We're not. You, I'll, we're not doing this. They go into different directions. And they... The animosity gets so strict between them or so deep between them that they have fought all throughout. When you see the Bible, you'll see the fighting that has gone on between them. Jacob and Esau were born around 2000 BC and the Babylonian captivity happened around 600 BC. About 1400 years of infighting has gone on. And you would think, is that not enough? 1400 years of hatred. And inability to get along leads us to Obadiah. And here we are in Obadiah saying, Edomites, you're going to be destroyed. No one will even remember you. But Jacob, Israel, will be reestablished again. Why such a strong thing against him? And it's because, second, the sowing and the reaping issue. A lot of people don't like to hear this stuff, but this is the truth, right? You reap what you straight up. That's a fact. Good or bad, it's a fact. Now, God will help you get through it and break some stuff, and I'm all, thank God for that, right? Mercy of God. Thank you, Jesus. But you sow deceit, it will what? Come back on you big time. If you sow theft, eventually you will be found out. If you sow these things that are negative, it will come back to you. If you sow positive things, God will bless you. So what did Edom do? It was so bad. Well, in Obadiah 15, it says, For the day the Lord draws near on all the nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head. And what they did was the Babylonians came in and took Judah captive. And the Edomites sat up there on that map. You saw where they were. And did this. Now, we all know that the Babylonians were coming in. God already said, you, Judah, you, listen, you're getting removed. Because of your deceitfulness of pride, you're getting removed too. And so that is what's going to happen either way. But God got frustrated with Edom because not only did they sit back and watch while their family was being ransacked and destroyed and taken off in captivity, they actually came along and helped. When no one was looking, it was like, kick them again. I mean, they actually helped 
kill people. They actually took some into captivity themselves. And God is saying, listen, it's bad enough that when you see someone get punished for their wrongdoings, there's no need to kick a man when he's down. There is supposed to be something called mercy that we extend as Christians. And so when I talk as I did at the first, please don't mistake my voice for God's word with a lack of compassion for those who need Christ. Because our church is open to everybody. But just don't ask us to compromise God's word and for us to convert God's word. That's not the way it works. We convert to God's word. We don't convert God's word to us. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We repent and turn to God. That's the way this whole thing works. And we all have our stuff and our stories. Our church is open to everybody. But when someone is down, when they've already been hit with something, that's not the time where you dig it in further. That's the time to extend mercy. And as Christians, this is something we need to remember. In Romans it says it this way, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervor in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. And watch this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse, but rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And the last thing I want to say with this morning is what is Obadiah talking about? They forgot to do something that was really important. And that was to love your enemies. So there's a difference between saying this is what God's word says about a subject and being willing to say this is wrong and I will not compromise on this. I can still have compassion and love you regardless of what you're in. And a lot of times we don't know the difference. We can't figure out, well, what does love look like? Well, love isn't changing God's word to fit someone else. That's not love. Love is clear about the boundaries that are present. I'm not going to let, you know, an axe murderer come in and stay at my house. Well, shouldn't you just love everybody? Yeah, I'm going to love them while they stay out away from my house. Matter of fact, they come knocking on the door. I, I'm just telling you, I'm not playing with that. I don't let evil things around my lambs. That's love. Don't confuse the two, right? But how do you love your enemies? Well, this is what Obadiah said. And I'll wrap up with these thoughts. Because of the violence to your brother Jacob, this is Obadiah 10, 11. You're going to be covered with shame. And you'll be cut off forever. And the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, God says, you Edomites, you too, were as the Babylonians. God put them in the same camp because they didn't step up and help their brother when he was down. And God knew, look, God was, the Babylonians were coming regardless. But it'd be like just watching this familiar story. It just seems like, just reminisce of this story, right? Like you've probably heard it before somewhere. I remember Jesus talking about this whole thing of like the good, uh, what's it called? The good... Samaritan? Y'all heard about this, right? Right, it's an interesting story in the Bible that Jesus gives us and tells us about how to love our enemies because the Jews and the Samaritans were so divided. Animosity between the two groups, they couldn't find common ground at all. And so Jesus tells a story, you can read it later, it's in Luke 10. Luke 10 and verse 30, the very interesting thing about this when you read the story, the one that's robbed 
is more than likely a Jew because Jesus was talking to the Jews at the time. The one that was robbed was probably a Jew because he had to break it down. It wouldn't matter if it would have been another Samaritan. It made sense to them. The Jewish person was robbed. The Samaritan came along and helped him. And as they're hearing this story, Jesus is talking to them and he says to them, listen, as this happened, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is very important. Listen to this. And he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and they went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, watch this, a good little Christian with their podcast came along down the road, saw him, said, oh, I don't hang out with that person. Watch the difference. What I said in the front don't be deceived by pride. It is a deceptive thing. But if I see someone who's in a, a lifestyle that disagrees with God's word from a sexual standpoint, but they are in pain and in trouble, and they're asking for a please, I don't skimp by and walk around because they look, act, or sound different than me. I extend my Christ-likeness that says, can I, get, can I lift you up? Y'all with me this morning, right? Right? You extend compassion. Don't be like the little Christian with a podcast and walk the other way. He says, likewise, Levi also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. So he's saying, I'm going to go on this side. Maybe nobody will see me. And Jesus said, then a Samaritan comes along, sees the Jew, beaten, left for dead, and robbed. He picks him up, who's on his journey, picks him up, feels compassion for him, comes to him and bandages his wounds, pours on oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. We like to think these stories, Jesus made this stuff up. He's a great storyteller. Not true. He was. But that's not what this is. This week you can read the whole story, but I'm going to just give you a snippet from this from 2 Chronicles 28. I'm going to put it on the screen for you so you can see this. Who is Jesus talking about? Why would he bring this up? And why did he have to illustrate it in the way that he did? Listen to the story in 2 Chronicles 28, and I'll start in verse 14. It says, So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the officers and all the assembly. This is talking about folks that are in Samaria. They captured people, they put them in slavery. They were going to make them their, their slaves, if you will. And they were brothers. It says then in verse 15, Then the men who were designated by the name arose, took the captives, and watch this. They clothed all their naked ones from the spoil. They gave them clothes and sandals and fed them, gave them drink, anointed them with oil, led all their feeble ones on donkeys, and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brothers. Then they returned to Samaria. Jesus was not just making up a story. He was reminding them of this thing. You are brothers. Meaning this, that I might be different than you in culture. My ethnicity, I might have a different background. But if we are Christians, there's something that brings us together as a family, and that is the blood of Jesus. And if I see you struggle, I'm supposed to understand what that is like. And maybe I can't, I, I can't understand your struggle, but I can have empathy towards your struggle. You understand what I'm saying? I may not understand what you're going through right now. I may not even understand the pain that you're feeling. But I can sit and listen to you and hopefully kind of understand and at least weep with you if you're weeping. I may not be weeping. But if you are, I'm not supposed to just rejoice. I'm supposed to weep with you. I'm supposed to understand where you're at. Not overlook where you're at, go this way or go that way, but extend a hand out and say, you're my brother. How can I help you? Are y'all with me this morning? Right? 
So how do you do it? Well, right now, there's a lot going on. I told my wife, I said, there's like a cause for everything right now. There's so many causes, I can't keep up with how many there are. But here's what I do know. I can't keep up with this. If my sister or my brother is in pain, and I'm not in the same pain they are, I can sit down with them and listen, empathize with them, and figure out, all right, I'm not going through this, but I see you are. How can I help you? How can we walk through this together? In the name of Jesus. So this morning, I want to encourage you with something. I want you to hear my heart in this, okay? We're really good at saying the first part of what I started with. We are really good at that part. We know what God's word says, and we don't need to compromise it, and we don't need to be ashamed or embarrassed of what God's word says, period. This is the, the word. Jesus died for us. Don't apologize for Jesus. At the same time, don't ignore the teachings of Jesus. If someone is begging for a help, and it's within our power to help, let us do the thing that he asks us to do and extend compassion. Do you understand me this morning, right? So why don't you take a moment right now and just bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us today understand this teaching. Lord, that two brothers, Jacob and Esau, who had such great animosity between the two, could not come together. They just left one another. And I pray today that, that you would help us as Christians to see when a brother or a sister in the Lord is hurting, to be able to extend a hand and help them up. Regardless of our ethnicity, our background, our culture, our language, whatever it is, Lord, they're a brother and sister in Christ, and if they're hurting, we should understand what that means. It doesn't mean I may ever understand everything fully, but it does mean I can empathize and help heal a wound. And so I pray today, Lord, that you would help each one of us in this room. I'm going to pray a bit of a dangerous prayer right now. I pray that you would help every one of us in this room, Lord. If there is pain or hurt or a wound in the body of Christ in this city, in this county, Lord, of people that are brothers and sisters, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would cause us to be as the Good Samaritan, that you would put someone across our path, each one of us in this room and watching online, that we would be forced to come face to face with a brother or sister in the Lord that is in pain that needs healing. And God, you would help us to do exactly what the Good Samaritan did, put oil on the wound, see them healed, and help them be restored to you. And I pray today, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you today, I pray in Jesus' name they will pray this prayer and come to you right now. I want to pray a prayer with you. We always pray this in the church. <clears throat> if you're here, you don't know Christ, or you're watching online, you don't know Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer right now. The Lord Jesus will take you. You want to talk about the word inclusivity. Jesus Christ died for all. He just simply says, will you turn to me and make me your Lord? That's the only condition. So right now, if you're ready to do that, in this room, we're going to pray together as a church online. We're going to pray together right now. Just pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I come today and I ask you to help me. I ask you to live in me strong. I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, forgive me of all sin. I thank you, Lord, 
for saving me. In Jesus' name, <coughs> amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? <coughs> amen. You can find out more information on our church website or go to a little link right here called connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you get started walking with Christ. I want to encourage you to do that, okay? Connect.cornerstonerome.com. And today, as you leave today, Fellows, and this is for your family as well, but there's donuts out there for you guys. Enjoy that. Sugar up real good. I don't know what kind they got, but I'm sure they're good. And uh, before you leave, let me just speak this over you before you go today, man, especially as dads and as parents in the room, as families that are here represented today. In Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, the scriptures declare this, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Man, God bless you guys so much. That's our prayer for you. You're dismissed. Enjoy the donuts. Happy Father's Day, guys. See you guys next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.